Welcome to Me, Myself, and Millie, a podcast that gives light and levity to infertility and different pathways to parenthood. Hosted by infertility sleuth, Millie Brooks. That's me. Hello, folks. This is episode 63, and today we will be chit-chatting with Carrie Hoskins about the process of finding a surrogate. Carrie, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) Carrie, (laughs) did I say your last name right? You did, which sometimes people have a problem with that, so thank you. Okay, well, I always have a problem with people's (laughs) last names, (laughs) so... We're off to a good start. Yeah, so far so good. Um, well, it's just so great to have you on. And like I said um, earlier to you before we started recording, you are kind of in the Bay Area, right? You're in Chico. Yeah, I mean, it's like three hours north of the Bay Area, but I'm in California, which is that- of the same space. Yes. <laughs> We we have the same types of taxes. Yes, we do. <laughs> and uh, we deal with fires. Yes. And- <laughs> oh, Carrie. Carrie, were you affected by those fires? Uh, not personally in our home, but we were about 25 miles away from the Norse Complex fire. My husband had to evacuate his work. He works up in that area, but um, we were okay. It was very triggering, though, since the campfire two years ago happened and burned our neighboring town down and uh, just the smells really made me feel nervous. And uh, I know I wasn't the only one with that. So it's always like a little heightened awareness around that time of year. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm glad you're, you were able to stay safe. Yes, absolutely. Um, so you're in Chico. I might end up on your doorstep one of these ah! days. <laughs> or vice versa. Just saying. We're close enough to make that happen. <laughs> I know. We could do like a meet in between kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I am um, so for that. I know. I love I love chit-chatting with people. And then um, it's rare that when I interview somebody, they're within driving distance. I so feel the same. Yes. It's a it's this isn't going to be an extra special episode. (laughs) I can feel it. Um, Okay. So Carrie, I mean, tell us, give us a little bit about what your COVID days look like right now. Um, What, what is a day in the life of Carrie look like? Well, well, this past year has been new for me in many ways, but um, mainly I quit teaching about a year ago this month. So, um, Honestly, my life is a lot calmer, a lot slower. (laughs) I love it. Much quieter. (laughs) You know, I'm a teacher too, and I I hear exactly what you mean. It's a it's a very fulfilling um uh career and it's also very draining and exhausting. Yes. And there had been multiple factors of why it was time for me to move on, but um mainly like my mental health was not where I wanted it to be. And so I knew I couldn't, I wasn't showing up for my students in the way that I really wanted to. I do miss a lot of the connections, but being a life coach still gives me that like fulfillment. But um, so my days are, yeah, I do a lot of writing. I get on calls with my clients. I cook a lot, which is my therapy. And uh, I work in my garden. I hang out with my rescued pit bulls and we just, it's calm. And I, like my body has, uh, 
it's not on like fight or flight mode all of the time anymore, which it was when I was in the classroom. And uh, it's it's been very uh, helpful to my soul. I love that. So beautiful. So beautiful. And it was so hard for me to leave the profession because I was very good at it. I love kids. I loved my coworkers, still do, but um, it was just the right it was the right move. It took me like three years to actually do it because I was so afraid to do it. I think my identity was wrapped up in teaching so much. I didn't like really know who I was without teaching. Oh, I know. I hear that. I hear you. I've had those types of jobs where it just, you know, you know that this is, this is not like start, it's starting to seep into your skin and like you're getting too entwined with the identity of having this mm-hmm. job mm-hmm. and it being who you are. I've, mm-hmm. I've been there, done that. And it's yeah. hard to leave when you're like, you know, making such an impact and, you know, touching the lives of so many amazing kids. But, uh, I still work with some kids to this day because I need my little like teaching fix, mm. but, uh, it's, it's been nice to be home and be like a calm person. <laughs> yes. Well, let's start off with um, telling folks a little bit more about what you do. So you are a life coach. Yes. I'm a specifically like a goal life coach for, I like to say, dealing with the side effects of infertility. Um I specifically work with women trying to get pregnant. I do currently have a client that, uh, actually I have a client that is pregnant and then also a client that has stopped trying. But uh, my I developed some curriculum that like we focus on specific goals. But it, I always bring it back to your fertility uh, because in the infertile world, you know that um, everything comes back to becoming a mother. And I really started doing this because in my early days, I didn't have a lot of positive outlets for that. And I really lost myself in trying to get pregnant and became depressed and really couldn't, I wasn't able to like look outside of my fertility. And I want to be able to show up for women and say like, you can still be happy while you're trying. And that wasn't an option for me because I was so sad and stressed and trying all the things and was very, you know, timed on everything. And it was, it was overwhelming. Absolutely. I totally relate to what you just said about losing yourself in Mm -hmm. trying to conceive. I totally lost myself. I became a, I became somebody that I became a zombie. Absolutely. Yes. It's intense. (laughs) So intense. You're just so fixated you know, and, and you, you barely remember to brush your teeth in the morning. Yes. And you know, it's everything focuses on it. Every single thing focuses around, well, you know, like we canceled a lot of travel plans because, oh, I'll probably be pregnant by then. Or I can't do this because I have a doctor's appointment and, you know, it was all worth it. And it still is because we're still trying, but I just don't want people to like lose who they are in the process of it. And that kind of goes for when you become a mother as well. Like that side of it, if you choose to have the babies, like it's, you still want to have something else outside of that. 100%. Um, Well, give us a glimpse into your fertility journey. So my husband and I got married in 2014 and we started trying right away. Uh, the first four years we tried naturally, it was fun until it wasn't, I like to say, because it it was a ball of beans until, (laughs) you know, 
until maybe the 10th time. Yeah. And you're like, I'm kind of, I think, you know, when you want an outcome, come outside of it, it takes a lot of fun away, which it did for us. But um, we tried naturally for four years and then we finally got the courage to do some testing, which was very scary because I still to this day have a problem admitting there's a problem. I like to you know, take care of things myself. And uh, that was a big hurdle for me to get over. And then we got some testing done and we found out that my husband has a low sperm count. So we became great candidates for IVF and we jumped right in. We were so hopeful and excited and uh, we did an egg retrieval. I think we had uh, 18 eggs total, but four eggs uh, passed all the tests. And um we did our first transfer. I got pregnant. I had a uh, a miscarriage, which was really difficult to deal with. In fact, I didn't really deal with it at first because it was like, well, we have more embryos. So like, I'm going to keep going. So out of the 18 that were retrieved, you got four embryos? Four Isn't frozen, it? yes. Four, four frozen embryos. Okay, yes, got yes, it. Yes, yes. Got it. And um. I had the miscarriage that like really threw me kind of into a spiral. I didn't really deal with my emotions. Um, And then we jumped into our next transfer and I got pregnant again. And this baby I carried for eight months, almost to the day. And I had developed a rare liver pregnancy disease called cholestasis of pregnancy. Basically my liver wasn't performing the way it should be. And it attacked our daughter and I delivered our daughter Clementine, uh, stillborn May of 2019. Which wow, Carrie, that was big. That was, I mean, it was gut. It was gutting. Like it changed us so much. We're still different because of it. I think we'll always be different because of absolutely. it. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and that, in return, changed a lot for my husband and I. We. Uh, really started to prioritize what we really wanted in life. I feel like that big of, we had never dealt with grief like that. Well, I hadn't personally dealt with grief that big before. I didn't really know how to wrap my head around it. Um, But I had done a lot of work with myself prior and had a really big support system. So that was really helpful. And with that, um, the doctors had said, you know, it's probably best that you're not pregnant again because there's like a 90% chance. I'm not super sure of the statistics, but most likely I will get that liver disease again. It's very common for it to come back. Um, they said, you know, if I were to get pregnant, uh, they we could be ahead of it because it's actually kind of rare to lose your baby, but we didn't know what was happening when it was going on. So um, if I were to be pregnant again, you know, we'd have to be like high risk and, but it could be done. But to me, I heard I shouldn't be pregnant again. Cool. In fact, it was very refreshing. And I was like, we can eliminate that path, but there are many other paths we can take to be parents. And so uh, we kind of sat with it for like a few months and uh, then started to go down the path of surrogacy. But honestly, for because we have two embryos, we had two embryos left. Honestly, it was it was a it was a relief to know that like oh a hundred percent. I don't want to do that again. There, there's some freedom in yes. knowing that that is not the direction you need to go. And there are so many paths with fertility right. to where it was like okay, that one is out of the way, and we have one less to utilize. 
And talk about like trying to even make a decision on anything sometimes <sighs> when you're on this journey. When one up, like one decision already gets eliminated for you. Wow. Yeah. It was huge. It was huge. And, you know, a lot of people, I've, I've, and I think this is a big part of infertility too, is a lot of people put these expectations on you and you're like, actually, that's not about me. It's about you. Um, you know, a lot of people are like, aren't you sad? And it was like, well, I'm sad I lost my daughter, but I'm not sad that, you know, we're not done trying. And that's one less way that we have to like make a decision about. Yep. Yep. I'm so sorry for your loss, Carrie. Thank you. Thank you. And I, um, Clementine is such a beautiful name. That's all my husband. He, we had a very difficult time naming because we also didn't know if it was a boy or a girl. We wanted to wait. Um, but being a teacher, I have a lot of baggage with names. Like, it's like, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> it's like, oh no, I don't like that name. Or... <laughs> I, 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 I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> Especially teaching for so long, you're like, oh, I know a lot of names and like I oh. have a lot of history with Billy. The, uh, the kid uh-huh. cannot be named Billy. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Yes. That's amazing. I mean, I mean, that's a great name. It's yes. a great name. And he came up with it. Yeah, he own. just said it one night and I was like, oh my God, that's that's it. If it's a girl. And then when and then when we had her, uh, you know, they you don't have to name your baby if they die, but uh, the hospital really they were so great. They really pushed us to name to like hold on to something, and I'm so glad we did because. It, but my husband was like, "Well, I don't know if I want to give her that name. Like, what if this name is somebody else? You know, another baby of ours." But I knew right away. I was like, "This is Clementine. This is who she is," and uh, I'm so thankful that that's who we get to hold on to and have like a, like a physical object. Like, you know, like we have a Clementine tree and we get to honor her in such amazing ways through Clementines. Oh, I love it. I love it. That's beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. Like I, it would fill my heart with such warmth and um, comfort to even see a Clementine. And it's, they they show up in such ways that it's such great reminders. Like I remember when we were last year, we we spent uh, Christmas in Europe and we were like on the plane and it was hard. We, cause we had decided not to spend time with our family. There was some, you know, family issues. And I was like, you know what? I just, I don't, I think that at this point in our lives with what we've dealt with this year, I would like to go on vacation. I've always wanted to spend Christmas in Paris. So we did that and we were on the plane and I had started crying just thinking about Clementine. The plane was full of babies. We're like, Haha, can't run away from our problems. <laughs> <laughs> like we were laughing and then crying and then laughing because it was like, wow. And there was this moment where, uh, you know, no, I think we were in Austria at the time. And so they were speaking German and we couldn't understand. And we were on the plane. And uh, so I kept, I looked at my husband. I was like, do you hear the name Clementine? Like, I keep hearing the name Clementine. He's like, yeah, but I kind of thought I was making it up. And I was like, me too. And they were passing out Clementines as like the snack. And once I realized it, I just started bawling. But it was also such a beautiful moment of like, what's up, girl? Like, I see you. Oh, it was, that's and I beautiful. love those moments. I love, and they happen so much more than I ever expected. And I'm so thankful for everyone. Oh, 
Thank you for sharing that. Yes, yes. Um, well, I mean, how did you and your husband come to de- come to the decision to find a surrogate, and what did that conversation look like? Yeah, that was a that was an interesting conversation for us. So after we lost Clementine, I felt the urge to adopt. I've always kind of wanted to adopt. This has been like, I have a bucket list I wrote when I was like 20 that I still carry and adopting is on there. So I've always had this um, desire to do this. And I brought up adoption and we had looked into adoption prior to even seeing uh, medical help and things like that. But we decided we want to try IVF. And, you know, I brought up adoption with my husband and he said, you know, Uh, we have two embryos. I'd really like to pursue surrogacy. And my husband is so amazing and does not ask for much. And I thought, well, if you're drawn to this, I'm happy to go down this path with you. But I love boundaries. I love boundaries. (laughs) I was like, we're not going down this path forever. (laughs) Yeah. So, so I gave, I think we decided like around September, October of last year. And I was like, I'm giving us until December. And if we can't find anyone, we're moving on to adoption. And we both agreed. But within like weeks, we had three people volunteer. And it was like, we and we just put it out on social media. That's what we did. We were just like, because I had been documenting our um, journey and sharing it uh, with my blog. And we had three three women step up and it was like, okay, this is obviously an option that we have. And um, uh, one of them was a really good friend of mine that I taught with, but she wasn't able to pass the tests. Another woman was our- Oh, wait, like you got to go through tests. Oh my gosh, there's so many tests. It's kind of intense how many tests there are. And with each clinic, it's different. And honestly, with each situation, as in all fertility journeys, it's completely different. Um, but there was a ton of tests and she didn't pass all of them. And then our midwife also who delivered Clementine offered to be our surrogate, which was such, such a special thing, but that didn't work out either. And then, uh, one of my girlfriends that I hadn't talked to in about 20 years that I'd grown up with reached out and was like, I'm interested. And I was like, what? And we made it very clear, like, we can't pay you. We wish we could, but we don't have the money to pay you. We can kind of only afford to pay the doctors. And um, yeah, there's a ton of things that uh, like have to check off. And um, she was like, I'd like to get started immediately. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. like talk to your husband, check with your family. And within like a day, she was like, I'm on board. And I was like, all right, let's do (laughs) Wow. And this was a friend that reconnected with you. Yep. We hadn't talked since I think maybe we talked a couple times in high school or after high school, but, um, you know, we'd gone our separate ways from, uh, you know, college. She got married to her high school sweetheart, had, has three beautiful children. We went to, you know, she went to Southern California. I came to Chico and we'd always been in touch via like social media, but, uh, and we were very close, like as little kids, like very, very close, but you know, you grow in different ways. And, um, yeah, she just reached out. And I remember I was at work, I was teaching at the time and I saw it and I started crying and my kids are like, what's happening? And, <laughs> and it was like one of those moments of like, I am so emotional. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, I, in, I cried in class all the time. Anyways, like if a kid would learn how to read, I would lose my mind, but, <laughs> but yeah, you're transforming life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Um, and so, you know, she started taking the tests and she kept passing all of the tests. And it's a very lengthy, like blood test. They do a psychological test. Um, they do a psychological test on her and her husband and me and my husband. Um, you a know, psychological test. Like, like, is it a, is it a workbook? Is it Freud? Like asking <laughs> you to connect like certain eyes to ears. And I mean, what is that? Over the phone because the psychologist I think was in the Bay area and, um, and our clinic kind of led us through all of this. It wasn't their first time. So we followed our clinics lead. We lead, we love our clinic. So we were happy to kind of follow their path and, um, they do like a phone call. And I remember my husband was, he was working out of town at the time. And he was like, I don't know if I can make this phone call. And I was like, Oh no, 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 no. Like, this is a very important phone call. You, and he doesn't share a lot with his work. So I was like, if you have to tell your work, what's going on, you tell them what's happening. Um, and we got on the phone and they asked us, you know, like, do you plan, like, what if there's a major issue? Do you feel comfortable chatting with this person? And do you plan on telling your future child of their story? And it was funny because my husband and I hadn't really had the conversation with ourselves, but we had very similar answers to where we were very in tune with each other. Got it. That's great. You know, um, so first of all, I mean, I had no idea that, I guess there's many different routes to finding a surrogate. Mm -hmm. The one that I'm familiar with is going through an agency. Yes. Which we were, honestly, a lot of people told us if we could not to, which I, and I had no I never thought this was going to be a part of my life. So I had no ideas on how to approach this. And so we thought, well, we'll ask people we know first. And then maybe if that doesn't work, we'll go through an agency. Um, we do have a friend that was a surrogate through an agency and she had a great experience with it. But um, we didn't necessarily have to do that. I've heard, this is just what I've heard, that it's more expensive to do that way because you have to pay the agency and we're not doing that. So, cause it is quite expensive in general, but, um, yeah, I, I only thought there was that as well. So, um, Got we it. didn't end up taking that path. Well, it's nice to know that there's other avenues, um, to just throw it out to your own network and yeah. see, see what happens. And part of that, our network was, is that we had a friend that started a GoFundMe for us. And, uh, we got like almost half of it covered, which was huge. That was huge for us. Um, we were willing to take a loan out to do it, but once that, like, and one of my friends was like, I want to do this for you. And I was like, you know, I don't know, like <laughs> feels weird. It <laughs> is. I mean, whenever you start involving other people in mm -hmm. like your finances too, it's like, oh, uh, uh, okay. Are you yeah. gonna be yeah, there's a another another shout out to boundaries. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but you know, she she was like, I'm just gonna do it and we'll talk about it later. And we got quite a bit of money and it was like, all right, okay. And what did that money cover? Great question. So it basically so we got about 10 grand from our uh GoFundMe, and it covered basically the testings, because test because none of the all of this was out of pocket. Um so it covered a lot of the testings and it covered like the transfer because it's a lot of people have questions about this. Like it's basically just like IVF, just it's, as I like to say, our ingredients in her oven. And it's just the same, you know, same protocol with medications for the most part, depending on what her hormones are. And um, so it covered a, 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 all of that. 
Got it. Got it. Um, what a beautiful gift. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I wasn't it's expecting a, it. <laughs> that's a, I mean, I've done a couple of GoFundMes before. Um, and it's just so, people are so generous. And I think we, since we shared our story, that was very helpful of like, people knew what we were going through. And I'm a sharer, like, I'm always an overshare. I have always done that. And it's comfortable for me to do that. And like, I feel like I can walk into a room and people know what I'm feeling. And I'm not like, I'm dealing with something. It's like, oh, you can tell Carrie's dealing with something. You don't have to like say it. <laughs> it's just easier for me. In the same way, I have a terrible poker face. Yeah. Oh, gosh, like, yes. <laughs> I'm, I, I just let it all hang out. Yes. When you I know? was a teacher, I was pretty good at it. But I would usually turn around and laugh or something when like a kid cussed. And it was like, actually... That's not the word you're supposed to use right now, even though I'm like, that was good timing. <laughs> but in real life, you have to like, yeah, it's not, I'm not the best. <laughs> totally. Um, well, so bring us up to speed with um, how process went with her, with all the tests and stuff. Yes. So she did like passed with flying colors and uh we got her on medications and I remember telling her that she had to do the intramuscular shots I think that's what they're called like the thicker needles and she was like I'm fine with that she's a nurse so that really helps um and we did our first transfer gosh a month ago two months ago I forget, but, uh, and she got pregnant and then she had a miscarriage, which was really difficult because somebody else is involved. Like it wasn't just my husband and I, we had experience with just my husband and I dealing with this. And I have to say it was very sweet. I feel like we both were trying to protect each other, mm. you know, still crying a lot, but also like, are you okay? And I don't want you to feel this. I mean, we were saying the exact same things to each other. And I do have to say, it's been really nice to have someone that I know and have grown up with because being together feels so good because it always did. We were always really good friends and really enjoyed each other. So it kind of took us back to those like childlike emotions. Um, and it has been full of a lot of laughter, which I'm very thankful for. We laugh a ton. Like the nurses have commented on how much we have been laughing, but we get to hang out, which is even though it's like in a doctor's waiting room. Yeah. <laughs> and so does she come up to Chico? So our clinic is in Sacramento and she lives in like kind of the South Bay area, okay. uh, like near Santa Cruz-ish. And so she... We offered to have her do this wherever she wanted to, because honestly, we're trying to make this as the easiest possible for her. But she said, you know, the hospital or the place that she would have chosen was in the Bay Area. And she was like, honestly, it's like a three hour drive anyways with traffic. So I can just go there. And it was like, OK, cool, because that's easier for us. But whatever works for you. And so she uh, we it's kind of like we meet in the middle. Got it which is really nice. We feel very grateful to have that. And then that means all of our stuff gets to stay at our clinic and it's just a little bit easier. That's nice. That's really nice. Um, yeah. So I'm again, sorry that that miss, you know, that that pregnancy did not come to term. That is, um, that's, that must've been heartbreaking for everybody. Yeah. I feel like when, you know, we went and got the first ultrasound and they told us the heart rate. And I just, 
I knew it. Like I, I, I'd been through this before. I was like, this isn't going to work out. And uh, our search name is Becca. And Becca was like, well, maybe there's a miracle. And I was like, miracle is a heavy word for me. Like that. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> like, but she, you know, she's never experienced. I mean, she's had a miscarriage prior, but she's never dealt with infertility like this. So she, and she, I know she's just this giving person. And she asked the doctor, you know, have you seen a baby bounce back? And the doctor was like, yes. And I'm like, that means no, that means no. Like, I know that the doctor is trying to, you know, not take away all hope, but also in my heart, I, I think I also just wanted to like control. It's a very like common reaction that I have when things become out of control. I'm like, what can I control? And I was like, this isn't, this isn't going to work. And, you know, she got very upset and I feel like I got very like, it's fine. We're going to, you know, I just want to make sure you're okay. Let's make, let's take the steps to make sure you're okay. And how do you want to deal with this? Um, And that was, it was again, very heartbreaking and different because it's outside of my body. Like it's not me. I know how I would deal with it. I don't know how she would deal with it, but she's such an epic woman. So she, I remember we left the clinic and she called me like an hour later and was like, we're going to do the second transfer. And I was like, whoa, like I haven't even wrapped my head around that yet. Yeah. She was ready to hit the gas. Yeah. She was like, I was like, talk to your husband. Like, I I think you need 24 hours, like sit on this. And she was like, I don't, I want you to, I want to get you a baby. This is how we're going to get there. Um, and so now we're on track to, I think in a month or two do, uh, the next transfer. Okay. We have one last embryo. With your last embryo. Got it. Um, oh gosh, I'm sweating over here. (laughs) I'm sweating. I can't. I'm like, oh gosh, I need more water. I need a tissue. I need an ice pick in my underwear right now. (laughs) I am like, and, um, so you've given yourself a deadline of December, right? That was, well, that was when we had to just find a Okay. And got it. And now, and that, that was last year. And now we have, you know, one more embryo and, you know, we're really hoping this one takes. And if it doesn't, we will probably go down another path because we know we're not really done, um, which is so weird. It's so weird when you, cause we had put up boundaries with this, but you never know until you're in the situation of like what you're actually going to respond to. So oh, I know, um, I know I've, I've done things I said I would never do. <laughs> I never, I, I remember being younger saying I would never do IVF. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was fiercely I was against like it. I was so fiercely <laughs> against it. I was like, I don't want a Frankenstein baby. Mm-hmm, oh mm-hmm. my gosh. How naive and dumb I was. Yep. Um, and now if anybody calls my child a Frankenstein baby, they're gonna, they're gonna remember my face. There will be a raft of, (laughs) there will be a string of consequences. Yes. Yes. Um, wow. Well, in your opinion, what was the most surprising thing throughout the process? I feel like there were a lot of things that came up that like I never had thought about, but one of the major ones that I didn't even really get from like our clinic or our lawyers was that surrogacy is not legal everywhere. That what really shook me. Yes. Um, like I, in different I think, states or different con- yes, countries. Yes. And I think 
I'm not super sure of the legalities, but I'm pretty sure it has to do with like paying someone. Like someone might be able to do it for free. But honestly, I wish I could pay Becca. My goodness, we would be paying her so much money. But um, like I know uh, in other countries, like it's not really looked upon in a positive way. And from, again, the the light research that I've done, it's like they don't want like human breeders, which I get. But I'm not forcing anyone to do this and I would never do that, but that doesn't mean other people wouldn't. So um, that was really surprising to me to where it was like, oh, this isn't an option for everyone. Like, Do you know which countries specifically? So I have a friend in Australia and she contacted me and said that it was illegal there, but I think it's with the money. Like you can't pay someone to do it. Um, but like, gosh, I'd, like I said, I'd love to give Becca a chunk of change. Wow. You know, <laughs> that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I, I think in New York, they just allowed that to happen. That was a recent thing um, that for a long time, you couldn't have a surrogate in that state. Again, it might've been just the money situation, but our friend that uh, was a surrogate was a surrogate for someone in New York because they couldn't have that there. Wow. Wow. And, and um, okay. So it comes down to sometimes whether or not you're paying the person Um, and they're making a profit off of it or something, or if it's just a loving gesture. Yes. Navigating the world of fertility supplements can be so exhausting. That's why I'm partnering with Fairhaven Health to help you discover their awesome fertility supplements. So gather around, gather around. FH Pro for Women and FH Pro for Men supports hormonal imbalance, egg quality, cervical mucus consistency, sperm health, including count, motility, and DNA integrity. Both of these supplements are antioxidant-based and herb-free, which makes it flexible for any fertility situation. Use the discount code MILLI15 for 15% off your purchase. Link is in the show description. Smoochers! And we're back. So, Carrie, you were talking about it being illegal in certain states, primarily due to the financial uh, obligations. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing, like, they don't want it to be a business. But um, I don't know. I feel like if someone's willing, I'm very thankful to have this option. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know in any other states where it's a little bit of a messy I don't. Process? I know I know for New York for sure that that just passed and just happened recently, but um I'm not super sure of many other states. But it's it was just shocking that like I feel, you know, again, if someone's willing, I am happy to Yeah. But, and also I, I've never felt the like need to be a surrogate. And I have, I have to say, I've also was shocked by how many women in my life were like, oh, I've thought about it. I'm like, oh, I've never thought about it. Like that was not something I ever thought about, but like Becca has always thought about this. Like I've always wanted to do this. And it was like, well, I feel blessed that you are choosing me to be a part of this with. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So Becca will be, um, is on board to do transfer um, of the last, the, the last embryo. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, throughout this, what was the most frustrating thing? So there were a few things. Um, I feel like I wish we would have tested our embryos 
uh, prior to all of this, even before, you know, we did our transfers, we were advised not to because there was no reason. Uh, it was expensive, so we didn't. But I feel like if we would have tested, we would have had a lot more answers to maybe which, you know, embryos would be a little uh, bit better choices. So I wish that was kind of frustrating, but also we can only work with what we have now. Um, and I think the like control factor has been interesting for me because I don't want Becca to have to deal with any pain or heartache. And since it's not my body and it's literally out of sight, out of mind, it's been hard for me to wrap my head around. My husband says a lot of, um, things like, it doesn't feel like our story. Like it feels like somebody's telling us this is happening, which, you know, the doctors are calling us saying, you're pregnant or then, oh, the numbers are low. And it's like, oh yeah, this is our life. And it feels very surreal. Like it doesn't feel like it's us because it's not, it's not in our face. You know, we just started going to the appointments because she went to so many in the beginning that it was like, I, we don't need to go to all of them. And so now it's like actually real, but it doesn't feel real. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, back to the testing. So you, didn't test any of your four embryos. Mm -mm. We did our testing, like our genetic testing, and they didn't see anything. So they said, you know, we suggest not to. And we were like, okay, we don't know. Right, right. And so um, you, yeah. And then going with the control thing, like who did the, who does the doctor call to deliver news? Uh, do you mean like Becca or myself? Yeah. So, uh, I think per our contract, which was very lengthy. Oh, I um, want to get into that contract. <laughs> <laughs> it was shocking, but, um, they call me first and then they call Becca, but Becca has like access to a portal online so she could check. And honestly, she checked way more than I did. Cause I was like, Oh, like I can't be, you know, researching all the things. Cause I've been down that road and it's kind of nice to like have it outside of me. And so a lot of times she would text me like, Oh my God, these are the numbers. And then I would get a call from the nurse saying, these are the numbers. And it was like, Oh yeah, this is my first time hearing it. I'm <laughs> so, um, technically they call me first and then they call Becca, but, uh, she usually checks the portal. <laughs> She usually knows first. Okay, got it. And I, I mean, have access to the portable. I just don't really use it. Well, that's pretty, I, I, yeah. I mean, let's get into the paperwork and what the contract <laughs> looks like because um, I imagine you can kind of create your own system mm -hmm. or, you know, your own rules, your own agreements that you want to both adhere to? What did that look like for you? And this is where an agency I know has like a lot more probably like tools than we do, but our clinic directed us to like a few different lawyers and we just picked one. She's in the Bay Area. And when we contacted her, she only does surrogacy contracts. It's the only thing she does. And she has dealt with um, infertility herself. So that was like, girl, you get it. So that yeah. was nice to have those conversations. Um, so there were, I think it was like a 50 page contract, I want to say, um, which I know there are others are lengthier. And we again, feel like Becca and I talk a lot still, so we can ask each other questions. Um, there was a lot of things about, uh, like if we were to die, you know, Becca's pregnant with our baby. What happens with that? Very similar to IVF. I remember them asking us questions about like our embryos. Like if you were to get a divorce, who would, you know, what would happen to the embryos? Where I was like, oh God, I never thought about that. But 
So it's very similar to that. And, um, you know, things like maternity clothes, do we pay for her maternity clothes? Do we pay for massages? Do we pay for like therapy? And when I asked Becca, if she wanted this, she was like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry that you have to answer these questions. I don't want anything. And we were like, well, we put something in just, just to like, just in case, because again, we want to make it as most comfortable as we can for her. So like, I remember saying like, well, what if you need maternity clothes? Like you're going to need maternity clothes. And she was like, well, it'll just mean wanting to be cute. And I was like, well, I want to help you be cute. Like that's the whole thing. <laughs> I, want, I want to be part of your cuteness. <laughs> so we did put in like a budget for maternity clothes. And honestly, like we know that if she wanted to go over, we'd be like, whatever you want. Like, you know, um, so it was like little things like that to where I was like, well, I never thought about that. Like, like if she were to miss days off of work, you know, we would pay, we would sub her pay kind of thing, which again, we were happy to do. Cause we're like, just give us a baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there were so oh many personal gosh. things. Becca, like shout out to Becca. Woo, woo, yeah. Like she just <laughs> sounds like a true angel. She is. And so is her family. They're all in support of this too. Cause we grew up together. And so like her siblings have been reaching out being like, Carrie, you know, we're so excited for this. And it's like, Oh my God, I feel like there's a community rallying her as well. Especially cause like, I, I wanted to share right away when we were doing the things and I didn't, but I was following her lead. It was like, girl, you don't share as much as I do on social media. So, and once she was like, I would like to share, I was like, okay, I'm ready. I have a blog post ready. Um, but I wanted, I knew she was going to get so much love and I wanted to give that to her. Cause it's like, you're an angel and deserve all of everything you get. Yeah. Oh, that's, I mean, what a beautiful partnership. What a beautiful relationship. Yes. Um, so how many pages w did that contract end up being? <laughs> I think it was about 50, like maybe 48 or 50. Wow. And it was kind of funny because we had to, like all the, it, it, cause it, we, we started this process like in uh, last year, like around December, January, and then everything got put on pause because of COVID. And so we were like waiting for a really long time. And then when they opened it back up, it happened very fast. And it was like, you know, you're at the top of our list because you've been waiting. It was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. And we had like a certain date, like following her schedule, you know, we had to get the contract signed so she could start the medication on her schedule. And we had to have it like notarized that night. And we were like, oh my God, we like put it out on social media. Somebody from a different state was like, my friend, I'm going to call her right now. And she came over to my house and like notarized it for us. And it happened very fast because we've been waiting for so long. It was almost like we weren't prepared for how fast it was. Like you need to read all this or we have to go over everything. And it was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. But um, yeah, it was about like a 50 page document where we each had to like sign and date. I remember talking to Becca after because she had to have her lawyer uh, go over it with her. And she was like, this is a lot. It was like, oh, so she had to get a lawyer as well. She wasn't yes. able to use the same lawyer that you well, guys were. Got her, our lawyer got her a lawyer basically. So it was like somebody outside of our lawyer, but they still work together. I think our lawyer suggested this person. So we were happy to be like, whatever works for you. Um, just so they can, you know, if something goes wrong, they have their own backup. Absolutely. Makes sense. Yeah.
Yeah. And she was like, this is so much. And I was like, it is, but I love you. Thank you for signing your name 3000 times. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, it's a lot of like, they're, you know, you're not going to take the baby. And, you know, I mean, reading some of those things was like, obviously they've made this a law because somebody has broken this before, which wow. is so interesting to think about. And she was like, I do not want another child of my own, but I am great at pregnancy. I can't wait to pass this over to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, anything you wish you knew before starting all of this? Whew. Uh, gosh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let um, me get out my notes. <laughs> I did. I turned my page. <laughs> I love it. Um, I think kind of like what we were talking about before, like you just don't know until you go through it, what, where you're going to be, what choices you're going to make. You just don't know. And you can, I, I'm a planner. I love my physical planner. I also have my digital planner. I love thinking ahead in the future, but there's, and that's me wanting to control. And you just don't know until you're in that situation. Like you just don't expect, like I never expected to be in this situation. So I feel like if I would have been a little bit more open, because I think that was a big part for me in the beginning of why I was so sad. It was because my life wasn't going the way I wanted it to live. And no one's really does, but this is just my pathway on the, oh my God, this is what's happening to me. Um, and I think, especially with surrogacy, like I didn't realize how hard it was going to be for me to watch somebody go through pain. Like the miscarriage was really difficult for me to like, I couldn't do anything. I don't live in her town. You know, I sent her all the gifts, but I, I can't do anything. And I, that's hard for me to be like, I'm letting go. Um, and I didn't, I don't like seeing anybody hurt, let alone somebody who's trying to give us a baby. And that was a lot harder than I expected. But Thankfully, Beck and I have an open communication. I've heard from other people that like, oh, it's easier when you don't know the person. I'm like, I don't know. I really like knowing the person. Like it's, mm. I feel so much more connected to the situation. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, do you feel like, I mean, I'm just thinking back to what you said about sending her all the gifts. Like, you're so powerless in that situation when, when a loss happens, you know, like what, um, what kind of gifts do you even send? I'll tell you, <laughs> <Cause> <laughs> I love giving gifts. <laughs> so like my first basket was like full of just Chico things. And I am, like I said, I, her family has reached out. So I've been in contact with her family and was like, what's her favorite food? Does she like plants? And then I also wanted to like, you know, what does her husband like? Cause he's part of this too. And so he like, likes IPAs. So we got, um, I asked my husband to get all of his favorite IPAs and put them together. But one of the best things that Becca really liked was, uh, the uniquely knitted box. Shout out to new uniquely knitted. I yes. said, I sent them one of the box and she really appreciated that. That was like kind of a, that was right when we found out she was going to have a miscarriage. And she said, you know, that blanket was super helpful. She uses their cup every morning. And she said, like, it makes me think of like what I'm doing is powerful and it matters. And so I wanted to give her like comforting things, you know, like I know she likes Starbucks. So it was like, get your little, I got her a bunch of Starbucks gift cards just to anything to make their lives a little bit more comfortable. Yeah. Just warm and fuzzy things. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, wow. Well, this is a question I ask all of my guests. What makes your blood boil about infertility? What doesn't make my blood boil? <laughs> but um, for me personally, it was, I think, all of the advice, which in the beginning I absolutely took and held on. But, you know, when I tried it all and uh, it still wasn't working, I was getting very fed up with people saying, oh, you know, have you tried this? And I wanted, and I, I, now I can look back on it and say, okay, you did, you did this out of love, but it's not a very healthy way to love someone when you're trying to fix them all of the time. And I had to wrap my head around that. I am also of the person I have been since I was a child. It's like a tagline that my family still throws in my face where I say, don't tell me what to do. And if you tell me what to do, I might do the opposite just to spite you because I'm mad. That's more of like teenage Carrie, but it's still in there. (laughs) I'm the same way. I'm the same way. My poor dad. Oh God, I was so, we had a rough time when I was a teenager because of that exact thing. But we're better now. (laughs) But there's still that like, don't, I've tried it. And also let me, stop trying to fix me. Let me sit in my sadness, in my grief, especially after losing Clementine. Um, it's like a lot of people didn't know how to show up to my grief, which is super common. But if you just show up, that's the part that matters. And don't try to fix my grief because you can't. And just let me be sad. Let me be scared. And don't let your emotions like muddle my emotions. Um, you know, just show up and say, and say, I don't know what to say. That's a huge, I don't know what to say. You're right. I don't know what to say either. And so that kind of levels the playing field a lot and, you know, acknowledges that both of us are in weird positions. Of course you want to help me. I want you to help me too, but there's nothing you can do. So letting those emotions show up and let it, and like holding a safe space for that, which so many people have a hard time doing. Oh, it's so true. So true. I think that like, um, I just recently heard about um, bereavement doulas. Oh my gosh, you're so funny. I just looked at that, like signing up for one like two weeks ago. I was just looking at it. No way. (laughs) And I was like, yes, this is what our society needs. Yes. This is what we need. Because- we're not yeah, good go at ahead, grief. go ahead. We're not very good at grief, I feel like. Like it's and it's uncomfortable, but like like recently I've been like reaching out to like what do other people do to grieve because this is a lifelong journey for me and I wasn't really taught how to do that, especially cuz like when we lost Clementine, we didn't have a funeral. Even though that was an option, we I I still like having her ashes at home, so I'm like I'm not I'm not in that space. So what is the what does it look like to say goodbye? I'm used to doing a funeral and I, we just don't do grief very well. And I love exploring it. Currently, I'm like researching a bunch of grief foods that people eat. It's a lot of carbs and cheese. It's delicious stuff, stuff that makes you feel good. And I, I kind of want to like cook my way through grief, grieving foods and just like see what that tastes like and feels like, because I need something to hold on to. And I wasn't really taught. I think also not, I wasn't raised religious. So I didn't have that kind of aspect with it. And my husband's an atheist. 
he supports me, whatever I feel, but he's also like, "Mm, I don't believe in any of that. So I'm exploring ways to feel better, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, um, well, keep me posted on the bereavement doula stuff because I, I'm, I'm fascinated and I, I see the need. Mm -hmm. I see the need everywhere. Um, I think our society has a lot of progress to make with the loss and in the loss and death category, Mm -hmm. you know, and even, even talking about it, sharing about it, you know, um, and, and what do you do? You know, I remember feeling guilty for doing a meal train. Oh my God, I loved my meal train. (laughs) After my mom died. And I was like, should I be doing this? Is this bad? You know, and like, and then it was like, so it was so, it, I just, it filled my butt, my belly and my spirit up, mm-hmm. you and know? It's, like, it's a specific way for people to show up because they want to show up, but a lot of them don't know how. And sometimes we need guidance. Gosh, I need guidance on everything. I still do. So I feel like if there was some sort of like protocol or ritual or something and food is a good one. Um, but it's also like, is there more to that? And Especially like, I felt like in like the infertility world, I feel like there's a lot of like grief that isn't like the death of a person. It's like a death of a life you thought you were going to live. What is that? How do you honor that? You know, like I tried like honoring my period when she came. Mm, That got old. It was like, I'm tired of this, but... I definitely tried the things to make my, to make me feel better. And I've learned different ways. Like I love burning things. I write a lot of things down and I burn them. That is a huge release for me, but you have to figure out what, what is a good way to release for you. And our society isn't the best at that. And you know, a lot of it's like, well, oh, it's been a year since your baby died. You're probably okay now. Uh, P.S. I'm probably never going to be okay. I will be that person that's going to cry and make you feel weird. But again, that's on you, not me. <laughs> that's so, your problem. <laughs> so it's how do you honor that? How do you work forward with that? And infertility, it's weird because if you don't share, then you're supposed to like suffer in silence, which that's your choice, but that's heavy to suffer in silence. So there's a lot of, I feel like ways to that we could be better. Absolutely. Well, Carrie, this has just been such a lovely, lovely conversation. Thank you for everything you shared. How can people find you and connect with you? Yes. Um, I have my blog on bloomingwithcare.com. On there, you can also see like information about my coaching. I have some workshops coming up. I'm also going to be... Um, releasing some online classes that I'm going to be teaching. Um, And then I'm always on Instagram at blooming with care and I'm pretty responsive. Awesome. Carrie, you're rad. And I hope that like the day comes soon that we can meet in real life. Yes, please. I, again, I'm kind of fangirling talking (laughs) to you because it's so exciting. And I kind of wish, like, I I don't know why, but I had so much pressure when you're going to meet me. I'm going to be like, oh, this is a disappointment. She's a lot shorter in real life. Usually people say I'm a lot taller in real life. <laughs> oh, that I'd take that any day. 
But I oh. love I love what you do for our community. I wish I would have found you sooner. I felt like I was a little late to your game. And once I was in your realm, I was like, oh my gosh. Like, I think I've shared with you that like when I see your stories come up, I'm like, oh, I can't wait. What's she going to say? <laughs> yes. Also, when your husband comes on and raps, oh gosh, <laughs> it feels so good. It feels so good. <laughs> I have to, I'm going to tell him that. I'm going to tell him that. Well, I <laughs> love it. He has to start. That's his signature starting point. We all have to have our ways, and I thoroughly support his ways. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Carrie, you're awesome. We'll be in touch. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Me, Myself, and Millie. Follow us on Instagram at Me, Myself, Millie for more podcast updates. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe and share on social media. A special thanks to my husband, Rowan Brooks, for technical support and Cal Reichenbach, who did all the music you heard in this episode. You can check him out at calzonemusic.com. Thanks, cutie bombs, and see you next week. <laughs>